Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome to another Book Off, a literary podcast with a difference. With me, Joe Haddo. Around my table today, two fabulous faces smiling back at me. Uh, they belong to authors and journalists Matt Haig and Bryony Gordon. Hello, welcome. Hi, Hi. Joe. So lovely to see you. It's gorgeous to see you, Joe. <laughs> I've been up since the crack of the crack of dawn today. And I am feeling a bit grumpy because I'm a bit tired. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have a really healthy breakfast like you, Bryony, to sort of make me feel better. Um, and seeing you both has perked me up completely. Has it? Yeah. That's such a nice thing to hear. More so than a coffee or this ginger beer, which I'm now I sipping. I was going to say, you're drinking an old Jamaica ginger beer. I, I love ginger beer. So ginger do beer. I. How fiery is, is that? That's a fairly fiery one, Matt. I'm, uh, yeah. Because I normally have a Fentiman's. I don't mm, do Yeah, yeah. No, this one's all right. 9.30 in the morning, not sure. Not sure if I've ever done a ginger beer at that. What is the appropriate before. drink for nine thirty in the morning? Virgin Mary. There you go. Right. <laughs> so, so if you could just, uh, Charlie, if you could put an order of those in, that would be great. Thank you. What's the appropriate drink for nine thirty when you've been up since two forty-five, as I have? What? Why have you been up since two forty-five? Doing some work. Right. Doing some work. Something with Durana in it. Or Red Bull. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But the the fiery. Old Jamaica is is doing yeah. all right. I feel like a Horlicks. Put yourself to sleep. <laughs> Go back options. to bed. Oh, do you remember options? I used to love them, the, the orange ones. Um, the sachets. Should... Yeah, they? the little sachets, yeah. you remember. And then they started going all weird flavour, you know, really exotic. It didn't work. But, you know, for a while there, they were my go-to bedtime. Uh, we should say, first of all, congratulations, Bryony. Ten months sober today. Yes. Congrats. And you look great. And are you feeling as great as you look? Um. Well, I'm feeling. I'm feeling. <laughs> that's And that's the thing about being sober. Well, they say the great thing about being sober is you get your feelings back. And the terrible thing about getting sober is you get your feelings back. Mm. So it's like, a, it's you know, it's a, it's a roller coaster experience. But I do look a lot better. You look wide awake, actually, Com- <laughs> compared to me and Joe right now. <laughs> I do. I, I mean, the one, like, I'm like, wow, my eyes are blue and not red. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And my skin's got, I mean, yeah. it's very smug, you know. You're sleeping better? 
Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. See, all these things. Everything's a bit better. Just a li- it's just that little bit better. The except lovely, at um, seven o'clock in the evening. <laughs> yeah, I really want a beer. <laughs> But other than then, especially it's... on a hot summer's on the net, I mean, I know, let's not I know. dwell on it. But... It's really difficult to find. Like, maybe I need an old Jamaica ginger beer. <laughs> I, it's difficult to find drinks. Like, I also I realised because I used to drink so much um, alcohol, and and now I can't. I can't. In an, like, I went out for dinner last night, and I couldn't believe the volume of liquid I used to put in my yeah. body. Like how I sort of managed to put anything else in me, which I didn't really. <laughs> so it's like really, I'm discovering food and water. And honestly, ginger beer is a great one. I was going to grab one. it and have a sip, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> if that if that happens while my eyes are diverted, then <laughs> then so be it. Is all I can say. Um, and you two know each other. This is uh, is like two friends sitting around having Ooh, a do. drink. Um, yes, we I don't do. know. We've got a weird sort of affinity, I think, in that we overshare a lot, don't we? And we <laughs> we're sort both of mentally us, ill. We're both mentally ill. <laughs> we're both damaged. <laughs> Damaged goods. Damaged goods. No, I don't know. Uh, yeah, we do know each other. We did. Um, have, have we done two or one? We've done one thing together. No, we've we? done two, things, two together. things together. We've done. We did. You came on my podcast. Oh yes, of course. Yes. Um, I have a podcast called Mad World. You which do is indeed. People talking about their mental health. Matt was a guest on it. Uh, as was Prince Harry. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I haven't quite reached those heights. <laughs> yeah. <yet. laughs> um, uh, I don't think he knew what a podcast was. He was like, "All right." Um, and uh, and but we also did we did a book event. Um, your last book came out last year, was it? Um, yeah. Last, stop time. yeah. About this time last year, wasn't it? And we we did that thing in, in foils in foils where you had your launch recently. Yeah. It was nice. And Matt very kindly. So when Matt, um, obviously, I read. Um, reasons to stay alive i i i have it like matt a history of being a bit bonkers and um it was a book i sort of kept next to my bed at all times because it was it's so i found such sort of solace uh, well help in it and Mm. comfort in it and um and then when i came to writing about my own mental illness in um in my my last book no, my second book, which was Mad Girl, I sort of thought, you know, you get to that stage where mm. they're like, you've got to send it out to people to get quotes. And I was like, oh, God, I, you know, if I don't ask, I don't get. So we sent it to Matt. And I remember like walking around one day and then I just sort of looked at my Twitter and you tweeted about it. And it was and it and I sort of like stood on the street and cried because it meant so much. <laughs> Um, so now I send book. all my books to Matt <laughs> <laughs> for that same response, hopefully. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, um, and that was before we'd met. So no, meant... there's, there's loads of mental health books, but I think what Bryony does in both her sort of most recent books um, is she talks about it in such a, I think, such a sort of therapeutic way for people reading it because it's just it's so funny, so sort of eloquently conversational Mm. and and it just normalizes the abnormal you know it just sort of makes it you know it it helped me even though OCD wasn't my thing uh, well I've had little bits of it linked with anxiety because mental health symptoms sort of all blur into each other Um, yeah when I read Mad Girl it just sort of comforted it Mm. yeah you know because when I was ill I was ill like decades ago now when I was first still in 1999 there weren't really these type of books Mm. around the only things you could read about about mental health were very 
dense, heavy, prosaic, academic um, books, which would have made me feel worse, so I wouldn't have been able to concentrate on them. And um, yeah, just to have that voice, it doesn't have to be your exact experience, but a, a similarly, similarly unpleasant, slightly mad invisible thing mm. um yeah it's great solace i think that's that. really interesting because i think when you are in the like depths of despair or mental illness it's really you you just touched on it there it's really difficult to concentrate on anything and yes. like focus and um and that's what i love about reasons to stay alive is that you can sort of it, it, you can dip in you can literally open it on a page and be yeah. like oh yeah short chapters mm. and I and I remember when I wrote Mad Girl <laughs> I remember saying to my publishers I want it to be like an uplifting book about depression and they were like good luck with that good luck with that uh, but you know because if you're reading yeah. something in that you know you're probably in a sort of bad place so you want you want to be able to sort of engage yeah. the reader yeah, yeah. in a way instead of just hitting them with more misery oh, absolutely and we should talk about very briefly reasons to stay alive Matt because as Bryony said, she's just one of, I think, thousands and thousands of people who that book helped. Hundreds of thousands. Hundreds and thousands of people. Uh, I know I've bought it for so many people and, and passed it on, and I think that I share that uh, with lots of other people. You, did you did you know it would have this incredible sort of rea- reaction to it? No, I, and I think I would have written it slightly differently if I had. Uh, it was definitely... Um, I think from my publisher's perspective, but certainly from my perspective, it was always seen as like a, a side project. I was a novelist and um, someone had asked me to write about depression because I'd written a blog, which mm. had gone down quite well, called Reasons to Stay Alive. And then I was just expanding that into, I thought originally it was going to be one of those short, tiny little pocket books you get at cash points. and you know. Like the little book of calm. Yeah, something like that. Something about like 5,000 words, just that. And then it became bigger as I was trying to work out, is it a memoir? Is it a self-help book? And I was suspicious about both those labels. And it ended up being something that's somewhere in between those things. But no, I was writing it for a very niche audience of people who were like me at 24 in that very suicidal place. And I didn't think it'd have a, um, a readership beyond people who needed that title you know needed reasons in that moment and uh, most of the readers of it I don't know if uh, Brownie's had similar experience with hers is it's often people not necessarily in that place but wanting to understand maybe they've got a loved one I mean most of us know someone um, who's in a terrible sort of mental situation and it's people wanting to have that invisible thing made visible I suppose. And the new book just coming out, Notes on a Nervous Planet. So this is this a sort of addition to this? Is this a follow-on? How do you view this one? Reasons to Stay Alive 2, Mission to Moscow. <laughs> <laughs> Blockbuster sequel. Uh, all the same cast. <laughs> police Academy, basically. Was. Okay, well, as long as it's between one and four for Police Academy, I'm, f- I'm fine with that. No, um... <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah, I shouldn't be mentioning Police Academy on a literary podcast today. That's <laughs> perfectly, perfectly I think, fine. I think a lot of listeners will be relieved, frankly. I would quite happily do a whole podcast on Police Academy. Let's to go be honest. for it. Let's have you, switch. Have you watched them recently? No, Sorry, I'm not, okay. Okay. Not, okay. not since not since 1991. Right, because I think with this would be an interesting <laughs> experiment: a Police Academy box set, and then 40 minutes of just chatting about them. Who was in Police Academy? Steve Guttenberg. Steve Guttenberg was in. Police Academy is Unless... Mahoney. And that that, that um, strange comedian. Michael guy. Winslow. He, he, he made the one with the 
voice. Oh, uh, no, no. Um, oh, who played Zed? Yeah, yeah uh, I can't remember. <laughs> um, I can't remember his Why name. Why haven't they revamped it yet? Why haven't I been casting it? I mean, this I, I know it like the back of my hand, apart from the actors' names. Anyway, anyway, that's a side yeah. project. I'm just right, making a note. Police <laughs> Academy. I bet you didn't get this with Tracy Chevalier. <laughs> <laughs> no, but her and Lionel Shriver will be invited on airplane. to the Police Academy podcast. Be, yeah, we'll do Airplane and Airplane 2 with them. Um, so anyway, sorry. Uh, notes on a nervous yeah, planet. No, I, I mean, the thing is with that, it wasn't the immediate book that I wrote after Reason Stay Alive. I wrote about Father Christmas. That was the first thing. Then I wrote did about... You need, did you need to do that? Yeah, totally. Because I was scared. Less about writing and more about what you're used to doing which is the sort of events and talking about it um because i in that moment i was suddenly scared when i realized it was going to be big obviously you want a book to do well but when it was that book and i I hadn't had any experience of a book being sort of widely read before um and i was suddenly on stage did about 50 events or something stupid for reasons to stay alive and it was just talking about depression and myself and it started off great and then it was starting to have a bit of an effect and I actually got anxiety and I fell into a sort of month of proper capital A anxiety while the book was doing really well so outwardly everyone was thinking life was great and I was getting people saying oh your book really helped me and I was thinking feeling such a fraud because I I was thinking, why Why isn't it helping me? <laughs> why isn't my own advice working on myself? And so that was a, a moment of crisis. And it took ages to sort of process and absorb and come to terms with all that. And I definitely didn't want to write more reasons to stay alive. So I didn't have um, a new angle. So I just got on with um, fiction. And then over the years, I've started to realise, because this was like three or four years ago, reasons to stay alive, I've realised in that time that... Um, there are my mental health isn't just you know a freak of me or my own sort of self will you know there's a wider social public cultural aspect to to mental health which we don't talk about we talk about um health generally in that way we talk about physical health in that way you know we understand things about diet and fast food companies and we understand about passive smoking or whatever it is uh, sedentary lifestyle or whatever but we don't talk about mental health in a um cultural way and I realized especially me who who gets into so many sort of weird incidents on the internet and (laughs) um, have had so many weekends ruined by sort of like a flag in Texas that I'll you know a person I'll never meet and I'm just arguing with them on Twitter and I'll literally get into a state of panic about it and I know not everyone's like that and it's not just a book about technology but it's a book about all the different sort of triggers and um, causes that, you know, can affect your mental health. Mm. We'll talk a little bit more about it in a minute. I just want to ask you, Bryony, about Mm. your new book, which was published the end of May, Mm -hmm. I believe. Eat, Drink, Run. Yes. Uh, which may now be renamed for the paperback as Eat, Drink, Run Up the Stairs up. because of the <laughs> the stairs that we just battled to get here. Um, this is your... Latest... Or just eat and run. Or just eat drink and run. anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's out of date. <laughs> eat, drink, brackets, water, <laughs> run. <laughs> um, your latest memoir, and as the title suggests, it's about running. It is about running, which <laughs> but you say that and people are like, oh... Oh, right, bye. I'll go and, I'll go and buy Matt Haig's book instead. Um, it's a book about running that's not about running, really. It's about... So, basically, when I wrote Mad Girl, I then... Um, 
I I had sort of spent a lot time a lot of time um trying to sort out my mental illness by blocking it out with alcohol and all sorts of other illegal drugs. And um and I got to a point where you know as Matt, Matt just referred to when you you bring out a book about mental health I was sort of writing about my own experience you know that I I had since I was sort of 12 and but I felt like a bit of a fraud because I was I don't know there's something really strange about when you go out and you're talking about your own mental illness and then you but you feel vaguely detached from it and I think I had and then you know it's a great privilege people start telling you about their stuff Mm. um, and it's like wow you you realize you really tapped into something that people really want to talk about um but it's also quite overwhelming and um one of the ways I sort of got into coping with that was was I started to run and I was sort of you know I'm, I was quite I'm not a you know I'm not a runner I don't look like a runner I was sort of 16 and a half stone and um and quite unhealthy and I ended up signing up to do the London Marathon in 2017 and um and it's it's really a book about um sort of doing the thing you think you can't. So I did it for Heads Together, which is the mental health charity that the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and the I now call it he's now got to be called the Duke of Sussex. Um started up and 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 also through that this whole weird process. So while I was training to do this marathon and weirdly really enjoying it, like every week my body I was I'd spent so long in my life as a woman I think this is quite common thinking about all the things I couldn't do with my body so like when I was a child I couldn't do a handstand I couldn't get into the netball a team and when I was a teenager I couldn't have two eyebrows I had to have one and I couldn't attract the right kind of men and all of that boys and that kind of thing and then even when I kind of settled down and got the I you know and got married and and I I gave birth I couldn't give birth the right way I had an emergency c-section and all of that jazz and I just got to this stage where I was like I am sick of thinking of what my body can't do like what can it do so it was a really empowering thing for me and um but in tandem with that I I had got you know really involved with heads together and asked Prince Harry to come on this podcast and then it was this sort of quite seminal interview about his own mental health and it's really this sort of like here's this fat bird who is sort of recovering from drug addiction and is a bit fucking bonkers and she's been she's running a marathon and she's been invited into Kensington Palace to have tea with Hazza as I was calling him and it's that thing of like we can just do the thing you think you can't because who knows what will happen so it's really yeah it's so it's it's a book about running that's not about running it's really about sort of just going out there and surprising yourself yeah it's about it's about so much more than running and i know having done the brighton marathon a couple of years ago well done thank you so much that's quite hilly oh it's awful matt it's the worst thing in the world it was just the it was the most painful five hours i think i've ever (laughs) it's a good that's a good time oh i don't know well you know i just needed to finish it which yeah, I, I think that's lots of people get in. I was like, oh, everyone's going, what time? What, what time do you people want? People say to you, what time? And then I, like, what time did you get? And I go, what time did you get? And they go, well, I haven't done a marathon. I'm like, well, shut the, shut the f up then. Like, just, why are you obsessed with my time? Yeah. Uh, it was, it was with 24th. I did, I did it on the 22nd of April 2017. Time. Oh, I think it started about 9 a.m. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Have you? Ever well, done well, one walking or... in Brighton is hard enough, though, isn't it? Yeah, is that, is that, yeah. it is. And no, you know, I the can... Brighton Marathon goes up that up towards Rottingdean, yeah. up that quite steep incline oh, there. You oh. should have done London. It's, I know it's, I should have. It's now. literally all down. I know hill. that now. Is it? it London is London is what, pretty flat. And what's just... the worst bit? What's the worst mile? 
Um, <laughs> well, it sort of depends from... It, it, I've done two now, so I did another one this year in my underwear. It's a sort yeah, of or, body positivity yeah. thing. Um, the whole that or, became a media moment, didn't it? That was, that was it a was thing. We did. went. I two of those a year at the moment. We went Good Morning Britain in my underwear, and like, literally there was a moment where I was sort of sitting there. There's Ben Shepherd and Kate Galloway, and I was like, "What the fuck am I doing on a Friday morning, sitting here in my knickers and my bra?" Um, it was that one. Mm. Every mile was heinous. It was really hot and um I was a bit What the most recent one? Yeah, I was a bit um I was a bit complacent so I thought mm. I've done one before, thought I'm sober, yeah. it'll be easy. And it was it, it was just awful. It took us forever. No, it was amazing because the because I did it with a friend called Jada Cesar who's a plus size model and the response we got was incredible. So we were sort of stopping every 2 minutes to have <laughs> to, to talk to people and get selfies. And halfway around, I was like, Jenny, we may as well sit down and just have a picnic lunch. <laughs> and then we had to stop at Tower Bridge to talk to the guy from CBBS or yeah. whatever, CB, Blue Peter, I don't know. And it was amazing. But it went on. I, I was like, is there ever going to be a time that I am not competing in this marathon? Like, I'm actually still in the London Marathon now. <laughs> You've got a couple of miles to go. Yeah, you, I've you know. got to do. Like, I felt like that guy in the diving suit who took like a week. Yes. But I was in wearing nothing. You know, like there was no excuse. Like, I, I was should have. We were wearing the perfect outfit for the day and yet we just it just went on and on but I loved the first one I did I, I loved every moment mm. of it would you ever do one Matt? no I, I genuinely don't think I, my joints I, I love running short distances I'd do a half marathon I think why don't we do one why don't we do next year's London Marathon together like a mental health thing Okay. He's, 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 he's thinking, just, how can I answer this nicely? Well, I think, actually, I'm the next one. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm busy. So, Aren't we doing that thing? Yeah, we are. River cruise. <laughs> you can't do a half, half each, can you? Because that would be nice. That would be good, Meet yeah. in the middle and then... Yeah, but, no. it doesn't, but the thing is, it doesn't really matter whatever distance yes. you choose to do. Like a half marathon. I've done... Quite a lot of half halves are great. I think I think a half marathon. I great. hate them. I much prefer to do a whole marathon. Uh, I was weird. There's some weird because twisted there's, there's logic a sense there. of failure, isn't there, in just being successful in a half marathon? Because there's that half, isn't there? Like a marathon is a marathon, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and a half is like. Well, also, I it doesn't really matter what My, distance you undertake. It's always you get getting towards the end of it and thinking, "Fucking hell!" Yeah. I, I went. My dad does marathons, and he's seventy. And I went. For, I went for a run, like a ten k run on Brighton Beach. If you just stick to the beach, it's totally flat, obviously. And I couldn't keep up with him. Mm. And he's, you know, I, I'm reasonably fit because I, I I get on my treadmill now and again. But um, yeah, I don't think I've got the endurance capacity. I, I sort of fall apart. I think the psychological thing. It must be. But psycholo- I think you see, this is where I would disagree. I I think that if you know, my kind of point was that if I could do a marathon, anyone can. Okay. And actually, I think that um, people who have experienced mental hardship are the perfect candidates for marathon runners. Ah, that's because you're point. sort of used to wrestling demons. And I, I remember when I signed up to do it, my husband was like, do you know how long a marathon is? And I was like, it's a long way. And he's like, no, do, do you know the distance? He's like, do you know that the first person to run a marathon died? I was like, he just fought a battle. It was hot. <laughs> they, they didn't have jelly babies back then. Yeah. And, um, but I was like, yeah, of course, it's going to be hard to run 26.2 miles, but it can't be any harder than the days when I haven't been able to move at all. Yeah because of the weight of depression on me. But afterwards, in that week, do you feel sort of tight and sore and anxious and weird? And You feel... Um, I don't... After, yeah, it's a weird 
I mean, you've really put your body through something, mm. but yeah, I mean, it can be a bit of a come down. Mm. But then you just start planning the next one. Okay, I might do. I might do it. They then, are amazing. I'm... The sense of you know, like, the I, sense I... of achievement is incredible, isn't it? Yeah. And I have to say, I think you touched on it earlier, Ronnie. That there's a there comes a point in the training, yeah, where you've you've pushed yourself to a point where you can run and you can you can almost go out and do a half marathon because that's part of your training. Well, you training. just go and do it for shits and giggles. And that feels giggles. so good when you're like, I'm just going to go for a couple of hours. I've just got to yeah, go yeah, running yeah. for a couple of hours. Got to do a half marathon. I remember, I remember when I did my first 10K and thinking I was, I like felt, yeah, I was Mo, Mo Farah, and then remember, and then remember, thinking. I've seen oh, photos God. of you with Mo. Farah. I know that was that was it was the world's longest, <laughs> quickest long distance <laughs> runner with the world's slowest. <laughs> but we, um, it was. It, I remember thinking, oh, I've done ten k, and then thinking, oh God, I've got to do another thirty-two, and then. But then by the time the marathon came around, I remember getting up and um, doing my last long run, and it was twenty miles, mm. and I went out and I loved it. And I woke up the next day and I didn't have a single ache, which was just bizarre. I was like, my body had got so used to it. And then I remember thinking, oh, I've only got to do another 10K on top of that. You know, it's bizarre oh, yeah. how quickly your it brain psychologically shifts over a course. It really does. Because yeah. I remember when I did my first half marathon, I remember getting to the end of that and thinking, if you asked me to run that distance again, again yeah. I'd use what energy I had to stamp on your head. <laughs> and it was only in like seven weeks time. But by the time you get there, you're fine. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I, th- I think there's a sense of achievement, and I certainly think you could do it. Easy. You, could do, you could do it now. Running, running was one of my big sort of therapy things when I first started, because when I had like panic disorder and was scared of having a panic attack at any given moment, which I was having like about two times a day, um, running kind of like gives you the symptoms of a panic attack, but you know it's running, so you know yeah. it's not a panic attack. You know mm. you, you're breathless, yeah. Your heart's racing, you're sweating, and but you know why. So it was it was always my safe space, but I never did the long. I never did longer than six miles. I've never ran. But you don't than need. To, and I think the thing is, is but, that um, 
exercise is the only thing we we know is scientifically proven to help with your yeah. mental health you know and and um and i we all know that and yet taking that first step you know there's lots yeah. of people like i was like if i go out and do exercise people are gonna like laugh at me and point me back to the direction of the nearest mm. burger king mm. do you know what i mean and mm. actually that's not what happens and what i really want to do with with this book is kind of encourage people who think <coughs> they can't to do it because it does it does it does make a massive difference you know i've i've been having a real funk at the moment and you know, I get up in the morning and I don't particularly want to do it. I don't want to go for a run, but I've never regretted going mm. for one. And it and it does change the day. It change well, it changes the way I start my day, and it's my intention, and it and it shifts the energy in me somehow. Very much so. Do you, do and it doesn't matter how long either. No, I do That's like half an hour. Yeah, you know. Right. Yeah. You say running is good for your mental health. Do you think having books coming out is bad for your? It's mental really health? bad for your mental health. It's so bad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Uh, no, and the worst thing is no one will sympathise with you. No, they're like, fuck off. <laughs> oh, it, I'm so and, sorry. And you, and you wouldn't want it any other way, and yet you sort of put yourself through it. Well, it's you, very strange. You, at, it, at the time of recording this, Matt, of course, your book is about to come out, and when yeah. most people will be listening to this, it is out. Um, but that week before feeling must be a uh, weird mix of all sorts of emotions. Oh, it's horrible, and it's horrible in the internet age as well because you can sort of like you, you, you there's so many compulsive things you can check you can check your sort of like goodreads and your amazons and your um what people are saying on social media or not saying mm-hmm. and it's just <laughs> which is even worse <laughs> um yeah it's it, 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 it's terrible and yet you know i i remember before when i was just um struggling writer trying to get published years ago um wanting to say if I ever got a book with my name on it in any sense if it was just in one bookstore somewhere on a shelf that would be it that's life goal achieved I would be forever grateful and that lasts about two weeks and then you then you've got a new thing to be neurotic about yeah Yeah. but interestingly you're you're talking about you know the the internet social media sitting here slightly worried about the reception Mm. of this new book and and of course you talk in the book about this very technological world that we're in yes i know about not being a phone and you know being just being human yeah i i've got this theory which i slightly touched upon in reasons to stay alive and i've expanded on here about how um we're not really encouraged to be happy. We're not really encouraged to be satisfied. For all everyone sort of moaning about trends of mindfulness and yoga and everything else, I feel like that's just a reaction to what the sort of default setting is. And we're kind of encouraged not to live in the present. I mean, even if you take basics of like education and and the uh, increasing emphasis on tests and exams and stuff, that's sort of encouraging you to be somewhere else than the present. You're always working towards something. It's always a focus. And then it's about what university you go to or what job you get and um you know where you are on the career ladder and we're very bad at just being our animal selves and i think the economy and the consumer society is partly run on trying to make you feel like you, you need things and you want things and as soon as you want something you've kind of got this sort of sense of lacking mm. and um you know because what would you buy if you, you felt like you had everything you needed in your wardrobe and you've got your sheltered and your food and your drinking so we, we create all these new new things because the uh, existential threats and that you know we're not going to be eaten by a bear 
Um, so we have our panic attacks now in Waitrose, and um, yeah, mm. it's a, it, we've got to be sort of caveman, cave person, Neolithic brains, and yeah. So this is this is what I ramble and waffle on about in Notes on a Nervous Planet. But um, it, it, I, I, what I find comforting about thinking like this, even though it's potentially bleak, is that for me the thing that sort of kept me stuck in in mental illness was um, the idea that it was all down to me, and that there was nothing. I, I could do to get out of it there was no cause and effect I was just this it was just a random lottery of the mind it was all sort of brain chemistry and and it, it may well all be brain chemistry but that brain chemistry is responding to external stimuli and values that are given to us by society so it was it was an, just being aware was a kind of um therapy in itself itself yeah before we get on to the book off I just want to ask you both because you know both being great advocates of, of mental health and talking about it and breaking down barriers and stigmas and things how do you think we're doing with regards to attitudes now towards it and say since your book came out Matt, and in fact since your first one came out Ronnie, how how are we doing as a as a country as as people i think we're doing much better at talking um i think we've got so far to go in terms of um stigma and understanding you know almost everyone would say now i think they'd feel like they'd say they're okay with mental illness and they're sort of accepting um but whether they're okay with symptoms of mental illness whether they're okay with sort of the sort of slightly less um mainstream aspects of mental illness you know we're talking eating disorders self-harm um, but borderline personality disorder, schizophrenia, you know, I think those things have got as much hanging around them as ever. I think um, me and Bryony and many other people are contributing to um, eradicating the stigma of talking. And I always deliberately, I mean, almost aggressively in Reasons to Stay Alive, was trying to sort of shamelessly write, and Bryony does it very well as well, just sort of like, um, you know, totally being open and honest more honest than you would be about any other aspect of your life i'm still uncomfortable talking face to face with someone about my mental health though that's the weird thing um I, i'll i'll still sort of I, even with my publisher sometimes who are obviously totally fine about it because they've published my book and, and know all about it i'd rather say <laughs> i'm not doing something for another reason mm. or for you know mm. for flu do you still yeah i still say oh i've got a stomach ache <laughs> if that, but you know, if that, that's us. What about yeah, everyone else? Exactly. But I think it's because we're just like, oh, hang on, actually, I don't have to lie about this. Yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, hang on, whoa, this is a quite a new that's, thing. Yeah, that's so interesting. <laughs> I, I, I should, as well as uh, pointing out your Mad World podcast, Bryony again, uh, mention another another podcast called Killing It, which was actually on Spotify, um, and it was a series of six, very interestingly about startups and mental health and and it was about this you know this this sort of decision that's been made by that industry that you have to go and kill it and you've mm. got to be on it and you've got to be working and and it was a, a series with lots of ceos and investment people and things talking quite openly quite candidly about how what they've done within their companies to start helping their staff mm. and themselves um and that suddenly had me thinking oh you know this is actually happening things are changing and people are having weekly sessions to mm. just sort of ch- 
rather than just saying, you know, how are you? Yeah. yeah, you're actually saying, "How's your mental health?" Doesn't that move have a moment to get uh, mental health first aiders? As yeah, the there's a great campaign run by uh, well, it's coming to an end now, but Natasha Devon called "Where's yeah. Your Head At?" and the idea is to get a mental health first aiders in every company. Um, but you know, I think we're at the foothills mm. if you think about it, and there's still a long way to go. You know, I think the talking people have people are now less frightened to talk about it. The problem we have now is that. They talk about it, and then, but there, there is often not any. Um, yeah, there aren't support, and there's no support. Mm. So, uh, what what really needs to be done now is the government really needs to just. They talk all the time about how there is yeah, it's parity. Feel, feel good sound bites. Though, yeah, but it's it's basically bullshit, you right. know. And um, and I so I feel that you know actually as long as we differentiate between mental and physical health mm. as long as we're talking about that there's still a long way to go and i remember ruby wax saying this to me a few years ago that one day she hopes that they'll just be we'll just talk about our health yes yeah you know then one won't be different from the other and um mm. and i and i think we have to accept that mental health covers a huge uh huge amount of things from you know from anxiety through to schizophrenia and beyond just as Physical health covers yeah. things from the common cold through to you, cancer. And you, you, know. you can hallucinate with flu. You can, you can get depressed because of a cancer mm. diagnosis. But, and even if you think that mental health is just about your brain, which I no longer do because your brain's reacting to things going on in your body anyway, your brain is a physical thing. Yeah. Thought processes at the very micro level are physical things. So I, I, it doesn't even make sense when you, you, you mm. totally analyse that. Uh, and, but I think also one of the things that has really helped me um, over the last year or so is is knowing that just as you can't, you can't, you know, someone who's had a heart attack can't trust their heart to always, you know, look after them. I can't always trust. My brain doesn't always want the best for me, you know, and that's really yeah. to think of it just in that people find that really hard to 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 sort of to comprehend if they've not experienced it. And I, and I you know, I know that, you know, there's been some high profile suicides recently and you know, people can't get their head around why someone would do no. that. And they, they always think it's a straightforward choice. I think if you ever want to sort of, I, I think suicide is the place to sort of look in terms of stigma and where society mm. is, because the amount of people following Anthony Bourdain's um, death who, 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 who were talking about selfishness and you know you wouldn't have made that choice and you would, you would never say that about a death caused by any physical illness. But it's that sort of, and I think I think there is a lot to you know. I, I think one of the problems is we don't fully understand the science of our brains um, yet. So there's you know no one has all the answers, but I think um, there's a, a lack of empathy because it's so weird. I don't know about you, you Brownie, but when I first became ill. I had no understanding what was going on. I, I thought I knew de what depression was. I thought it was feeling sad and feeling vague thoughts, or I might not be better um, if I. If it might be better if I wasn't here. But what it actually is is it's a, a total body, all encompassing, twenty four seven experience, um, which you know, it's not some sort of rational thought where you're weighing up. Oh, just go. Oh, go away. Yeah. It's you're stuck. I I remember the problem is also is when you're not in it, it's so hard to remember what it was like. And 
And then it suddenly comes back if you are in it. And, and then you're you... like, fucking hell. Like, I, I've just had, you know, the like, like just been sort of floating. You, like mm. you just feel stuck in a hole and you mm. can't move forward and you can't move backwards even. You can't move left. You can't move right. It's like, mm. the, why? I also sometimes describe it as I feel like a sort of tracing paper version of myself. And I don't yeah. understand how the world is going on around like well hang on hang, excuse me why are you why are you still going to work and why are you yeah. why are you fucking smiling yeah. like hello hello the world yeah. is ending and um and you know it is so hard and we don't know you know it's so difficult to to sort of to explain that and and you you, know, you can't always see it and also that feeling like no matter how many times you've recovered in the past you, you have a sense when you fall again Oh, this could be it. This could be my. Mm. This is the one. This is the permanent yeah. state, and it never is. I think. I think it does get a little bit better. For me, it's got a little bit better. The more times my brain has been wrong, because 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 that inner therapist slightly says, well, "Hold on, your brain's been doing these tricks so many times. The worst hasn't happened. Mm. Yes, you're going to have a horrible three weeks or a month, but mm. but it, it it's not. You know, apocalypse. It's those words mm. you just said. Hold on. Just hold on, mm. you know, because like I think it is, it's fucking awful. And I, you know, a minute can feel like an hour, and an hour can feel like a day, and a day feels like a week, and yeah. so on and so forth. But it does pass. And mm. it's like, I'm so, I remember, I realized that we're so, as you know, you're talking, you were saying earlier, you've got this theory that we're not, we're not conditioned to be happy. And I always think, I totally agree. I think as humans, we're conditioned to sort of chase pain mm. in a way. And it's really, it's really hard to sort of sit back and go, actually, what well, I'm going to be kind to myself today. And sad, I feel like we've got yeah. into some like deep hippie self help shit. But, but, um, you know, that's what we're here for, Brian. Yeah. Some of the things I say to myself, I would, if a friend said them to me, they would no longer be my friend. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, whoa, well, hang on a sec. That's really out of order. And yeah, and it's so it's that kind of, <laughs> it's sitting back and sort of just doing little tiny things like going for a run, reading Matt's book, or you know, meditating or something, yeah. or just, just I don't know, or just watching something that makes you laugh. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm intrigued as to the books you've brought for the book <laughs> off, um, because I know that there could have been fiction, they could have been yeah. classics, they could have been contemporary poetry, nonfiction, um, but I think. I think this is the most sort of diverse <laughs> two books that we've ever had on this podcast. Um, <clears throat> Matt, tell us the book that you have chosen for today. Uh, it's Cosmos by um, Carl Sagan. And Bryony, which one are you putting up today? <laughs> I'm putting up the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book <laughs> by Bill W. Unbelievable. I mean, just... <laughs> Yep. What an amazing two titles. Now, usually what I have sat in front of me here are two props. One is a bell, one is a horn, and I give our guests the option to choose which one. I haven't brought them today. That's partly because I got up at 2.45, so it's my own fault. Now, I can either offer you those and then I can insert the audio after recording this interview as if it was there, or I can take this off water bottle here I think yeah do and, the water bottle. and do that as your timeout. What well, you think water bottle? Well, yeah. yeah. Mix I've, it up a bit? Yeah, okay. absolutely. It's a nice sound actually. Okay, I won't use my magic editing skills. Um <clears throat> this is where you get to talk about a book for up to three minutes. You can use the whole three minutes or not as you choose, but as the three minutes hits I will 
sting you out. Three minutes is quite long. Isn't it's like it? an alcoholic. Well, you say, yeah. you say you say that, but people people freak out about. Oh, I'm never going to be able to talk that long, and then they see me about to do it, and they're like, "What? Okay. Ah, so don't be fooled." Bryony, would you like to go first or second? Um, I mean, I. Uh, 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 I just, what? Second. Second it is. (laughs) Which means over to the Hague. Uh, Matt, you've got three minutes to tell us about this brilliant book, Cosmos. Over to you. Well, I was going to pick a novel. I was going to pick um, Slaughterhouse Five or Wuthering Heights or something that, you know, got me into fiction. The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton, that was another one. I've gone for Cosmos um, because it was a book that I, I read. Um, relatively young as a young adult in my early 20s before I became ill and it was a book that um, changed my perspective on a certain aspect of who I was because I was someone who had was convinced I was an arts person. And by that, I may mean that I I define myself against being a science person. I I sense that um, it it was almost like a West Side story of arts versus science, and and you were one or the other, like jets and sharks. And I was um, definitely, almost proudly, anti-science. I would tell everyone I got an F in GCSE science and it wasn't for me because it took a, once you understood everything and explained everything about the universe, it took away all the magic of it. That's what I was convinced. And um, I'm trying to remember why I, I first read it. It was a book my dad owned. But anyway, I did read um, Cosmos by Carl Sagan, probably because he wrote fiction as well. He wrote Contact, which was made into a Jodie Foster movie in the 90s about the possibility of alien life. And I I, I suppose he was the sort of soft end of science for me, and he was all about whether aliens could exist. Anyway, this book, Cosmos, is not just about science. It's not just about the formation of black holes and um, neutrons and all of that. It's written in the most beautiful and accessible and questioning and curious um, prose. It's basically like the world's most um, intelligent, knowledgeable child writing a book about the universe. And I find it a very therapeutic book because when I'm now going through sort of like uh, periods of anxiety, um, I will. it's the one I will pull down from a shelf um, to make me feel very small. It's, a, it's the, the book equivalent of looking at the sky and looking at your place. And it's not just about space. It's also about time. It goes back to the Egyptians or hieroglyphics and all, all things about ancient civilization. Um, it's almost impossible to do a synopsis of it because it covers so much. Um, but it, it, it turns the most abstract, dry, inhuman stuff about stars and gases and, 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 and um, worlds we'll never know and makes them into the most fascinating um, imagination triggering um you know uh, questioning sort of launch pad for your own um beliefs and views and and since that i think the reason i wrote a, a book like um the humans and maybe even how to stop time was because i, I think there's a beautiful poetic area between non-fiction and fiction and between science and art and this book inhabited it and it 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 sort of changed me as a person and certainly as a writer and a reader. Oh, wow. Were you actually going to naturally stop then? Um, I was actually, That was three (laughs) minutes on the top. Unbelievable. Um, Wow. Very good pitch. Gosh. Very good pitch. No pressure. (laughs) I should have gone first. (laughs) Um, Your three minutes... 
Briney yes. begins to tell us about the AA Big Book. <laughs> okay, well, weirdly, there is actually quite a bit in common between Cosmos and the AA Big Book because they're both about something being bigger than us. The world, you know, the universe being bigger than ourselves. And I got sober 10 months ago. And um, the reason I chose this book was because I've sort of held it close to me for the entire 10, well, for longer than that. I've been trying to get sober for a long time. But also it's free. So you go into any, you can go to any AA meeting, go online, and they give it out to newcomers. And actually, it isn't just for alcoholics. It isn't just for addicts. It's a really lovely way of life. And it's about realizing the kind of how small we are, and sort of trusting and letting go and trusting the universe. And, and, and knowing that, you know, even, even when we're in horrible, horrible binds, and I find this really helpful when I'm in a depression, you know, we're, we're, we're where we're supposed to be, you know, it's part of a bigger plan. And I am not religious, do you know what I mean, at all. And they talk, it talks about God a lot. And it's very old fashioned. It was written in the 1930s. But it's it's about, it's that thing, I you know, God for a lot of people in AA stands for group of drunks. And it's about get, bringing people together and connecting. You know, addiction in many ways is the opposite of connection. And it's about kind of realising that you don't have to do things by yourself. And I, I'm sort of a bit of, I'm a, I'm a cynic about self-help. And actually, when I read, when I see the premise of a lot of self-help books, now I've read the AA big book, I realise it's all just ripping off the AA big book in some way, shape or form. You know, Russell Brand's recovery book is basically the AA big book, but it costs twelve ninety nine. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And this is free and it doesn't want anything from you. It, all it wants is to help you. And it's got, you know, it's, I just... I've just found there's some such beauty in that, you know. I'm not I'm not selling it as well as Matt did and it's not, you know, it's not a great it's not brilliantly written. It's it's written by an old soak in the 1930s. But there's so much truth and he talks about going on prodigious benders. I love that. But like it's it is it you know, it's like it just t- tells us to keep it in the day, keep it in the now, to keep it in the present. You know, don't worry about the future. Don't worry about the past. Just, 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 just do you. Keep your side of the street clean. Do the next right thing, and everything will be okay. And um, it's it's really helped me. And I just think it's wonderful that something like that exists for people that maybe don't have the money to go into a bookshop, or you know, it's there. And that's what great, you know, books. You know, it's handing on that kind of piece of and so I keep it close to me at all times and I haven't given it the greatest sell but um yeah as I said I think the 12-step program is great for you know anyone really you know it's just a nice way to live your life wow that was good you did you sold it very well very well I don't know, I mean, I'm it... feeling this week like I'm needing the big book because I I, I, I I lapsed last week in I went on holiday to Mykonos where Everyone was drinking alcohol, and I ended up drinking alcohol almost like by osmosis. I um, I feel I feel really crap this week. So you could do with the I, yeah, book. because I have patches of I haven't ever lasted as long as Bryony, but I've had like two months of being sober recently, and I felt so much better. Mm. And I, I and you know the big book is something that very a few books change people's lives, but obviously something like that really literally has a hardcore effect on people's lives, doesn't it? Well, I loved what you were saying about about, about Cosmos, about, you know, um, it's it's not just about science, it's about so much more than that, and its accessibility, the, the questions it brings up. I love what it, effect it obviously had on you and will have on 
others. Um, and that whole arts v science thing, which I was very much like when I was younger as well. And, and, and at school, I was like, I just put all my effort into well, we music all, and drama. We were drama brought and, up and told, you know, you've either got yeah. to be academic or sports, yeah. Yeah, 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 arty yeah, yeah, yeah. or scientific. Yeah. Actually, we need yeah. to change that and go, <laughs> yeah. and just because I'm not the best at sports, I can still, doesn't mean exactly. I can't do it at exactly. all. Like, Break I can just have some fun trying exactly. to get to grips with it. And it's right? a physical mental thing as well, yeah. I think. Like that, it is, it? Yeah. yeah. No, it very much is. Um, but the AA Big Book, as you, as you mentioned, you know, what... Uh, what a thing. I mean, it has got lots in common with Cosmos. And that's something that was written in the 1930s and that isn't really just for addicts. It's it's for, you know, anyone to pick up and, and get something from. And it's free, I think, is is a winner. So I'm going to take that one home. Oh, <laughs> and because Matt needs it. He wants it this week, so I'm going to take it for him. Um, but... The, was it a heavy night last night, James? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Heavy. It's it's it was a heavy morning <laughs> on the ginger beer. Yeah. Um, I am going to check out Cosmos, though, Matt, by Carl Me Sagan, because that sounds really great. Um, and, of course, anyone listening should check out Notes on a Nervous Planet, Matt Hayes' new book, which is published by Canongate. And Eat, Drink, Run, How I Got Fit Without Going Too Mad, is Bryony Gordon's latest published by Headline. Um, absolute pleasure to talk to you both to sit here and wang on and we could do it for a lot longer but um, Sean Keaveney is waiting that and I, oh, yes. I would hate hate to keep you from it and I've it. got therapy and you've got bloody <laughs> therapy so, I feel you like know. this was kind of therapy <laughs> <a> warm up <laughs> therapy Sean Keaveney will definitely be therapy um, it's, it's great to see you both and best of luck for, for both the books um, thank you both it's been a pleasure thank you Joe. thanks Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.